If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. I hope you're well. I've had a busy couple of weeks with my birthday and my, my aunt in town visiting from Virginia for the week. Got to spend a lot of time with her and with some other relatives and actually had a really nice time. Family can be a little complicated at times, as I'm sure many of you can attest. And as we get older, if, if we're lucky enough to find somebody who wants to marry us, we're adopted by their family and all their history and dynamic elements. And, you know, I like the idea of family and I would like to be a better family member. But oftentimes I find my, myself, uh, my, get caught up in my own expectations. And uh, it, I think that's what creates the problems for me. But this week, you know, turning 48 years old, I, I found myself acutely aware of the passing of time of all my relationships. I have very strong memories of my family as a child, mostly happy. And, you know, then in my teen years and 20s, when I was trying to define myself and create who I have become, I distanced myself a, a bit at times in this process to explore who I am and what I wanted to be. And I, I think that's quite natural because, look, family are not like our friends that we get to handpick over time. They didn't get to handpick us, though, either. And, you know, then again, neither are our coworkers or colleagues. The thing is that I think we what really sank in this week for me, spending time with, with family and friends, is how much support I actually have from all these different people around me and all the different aspects of my life. And, yeah, it's, it's difficult at times to deal with expectations and challenges and how we communicate and connect. But I've, I've gotten a lot, you know, out of them. I am who I am because of them. They're all part of me, and they're all pushing me to be better, and most of them are cheering me on. So all this, you know, kind of came together for me this week somehow, and I, I just feel a certain kind of peace from it, and even a sense of pride that I've managed to keep so many of these people close, regardless of what's going on in our lives and from wherever we are in the world that we call home. And I'm feeling like a bit of good fortune has been smiling on me. I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have this many amazing people to be surrounded by in my life. And I'd, I'd like to include all of you, the listeners, as as part of my support crew. I, I appreciate your emails, you sharing episodes with your friends and family, and all your financial support to keep this project flourishing. Thanks to those of you who have been donating. And if, if you haven't yet and have been meaning to, you can go to highway, uh, sorry, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Speaking of listeners, I got this email uh, this past week from for uh, someone asking for merch for Highway to Health. Would you be interested in getting some gear if, to show your love for the show? Um, if, I actually have some designs done by Maddie and I who design our logo for the podcast, but I haven't made any decisions yet on merch. So uh, let me know what you're thinking. Uh, maybe a t-shirt, a baseball cap, something for the gym. Let me Let me know what you're thinking. 
hit me up on email at uh, jeremy at highwaytohealthpodcast.com. So my guest for the show today is Alan Fine. He's someone I've been having conversations with for the past year. Uh, when he initially shared his idea for starting a global wholeness company, I, I have to admit, I was skeptical. Uh, whenever someone approaches me with a big idea, I, I usually hedge. You know, I, I myself have idealistic tendencies, and and maybe that's why I question. But I'm ultimately a realist. But the more I listened to his approach, and the the more I started to believe that he was absolutely serious, and with his business experience, I think I was starting to realize that he might be able to get leaders in the business community and government to see aside to solving some of the world's core issues with this multidimensional approach. So with full disclosure, though, I, ha I have been working with his leadership team for the last three months, so I felt like I should share that with you. And I have to say, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what's being built. I've come to recognize Alan Fine as a bit of an anomaly, and I, I mean that in the best possible way. He's worked in the public and private sectors in both business and government and has taught for 25 years at the Carlson School of Management at the U of M to over 10,000 students. Outside of his business and teaching, he's published multiple books, including a book of poetry. He's written a series of piano suites and performed them at the Ordway Theater. He's run for a major political office, and he's even won Mr. Natural Minnesota for bodybuilding in 2014 and 2016 in his mid-50s. So with, with all he's done, though, he's amazingly grounded, very humble, an incredibly thoughtful guy, as, as you'll hear. He's uh, gotten to a point in his life and his career, though, where he sees that there is just too much at stake to not address the way that we are approaching business development as it relates to the degrading effects on our planet and in the way that we address each other as fellow human beings. What Alan has created with Eluet challenges all of us to consider whether our way of life is actually good for us and for the health of the planet. And what Alan presents here might give you hope because, as he says, he's one of many business leaders that know that this is the elephant in the room. Please enjoy my conversation with Alan Fine. So being a renaissance man of sorts, you really have quite a diverse list of accomplishments in business, teaching, athletics, and the arts, which I'm sure we'll dig into. But first, I'm interested in hearing more about Eluet, your most recent venture, which you've gotten me involved with. And it's something I haven't seen anyone with your business background, experience, and connections organized to this extent. How do you define Eluet? I would define Eluet as an organization that is trying to take or to address a core problem that society currently has that no one else is really addressing effectively. We know, I mean, there, there, there are arguments in politics, at least in the United States, about whether or not climate change is real. Uh, but all of us can easily observe that there are all kinds of environmental problems that are emerging, that are major, uh, that need to be addressed. Um, we can all agree that there are a whole series of issues involving the human condition uh, and uh, in essence that there's been a pretty great deterioration in that on many levels and uh, and I believe that that's a reflect the the world in essence is a reflection of that deterioration um, Eluet seeks to address the core issue underlying the human condition and from that help to guide businesses, governments, and the community and bring them together to uh, 
um, address that uh, problem, the problem itself, rather than putting band-aids on symptoms. Uh, and I feel, and, and I've talked to leaders in business and government, they all agree that there's lots of organizations out there and they're involved out there, too many of them, in trying to address one little piece of the puzzle. But they're reacting to those pieces. It's like if we see a bunch of plastic in the ocean, uh, well, let's put a machine in there and let's try to start cleaning that up. Yeah. But we're not addressing the issue of stopping people from putting the plastic in the ocean effectively and then why are they doing that and so there's an an, in essence an empathetic compassion component that seems to be increasingly missing you've talked with me about the example of bees and how they produce no negative externalities and i think this is really a great way to think about um how what we are actually creating in the first place you know the the fact that why are we even using plastics in this way? Why are we using straws? Why are we using baggies? When, when you know, why, why are companies not developing things to, you know, in, in sustainable ways in the first place? That's a great point. Uh, there's leadership actually in uh, operations research uh, in, uh, you know, in industry today that are starting to talk about the concept of cradle to cradle. Um, yeah, why is it that. yeah why is it that we don't uh make sure that whatever it is that we create um doesn't get disposed of but gets reused mm, yeah uh changing this concept of serviceization um it's a concept of maybe we need to think about the way that we're selling things like for example instead of selling uh, a car maybe we sell the mileage on that car Let's make that car long lasting, so we don't, ha so we can reuse it. Uh, so, so, so you would, so you would purchase the car, and purchase the amount of miles that you would use that car for, and then the automobile company would get it back and sell it again to someone else. Yeah. But because they built it in a sturdy fashion, they'd have a vehicle. Yeah. But they wouldn't have to keep reusing materials to build new yeah, ones. Right. This this planned obsolescence is a tremendous waste. Yeah. Uh, there's the whole idea of responsible sourcing. Mm. Uh, it's not just about looking at your supply chain and saying, gosh, are the, are the components of my supply chain, do they seem like are my direct you know, suppliers are clean? We need to, in essence, have traceability um, going down the supply chain. For example, we know that in Congo, for example, they have blood mines, uh, you know, tremendous strife there in, in mining. Uh, and they're, they're mining the... Uh, the precious materials that end up getting put into our cell phones, right. into our you know, different devices. And uh, those um, materials basically are, are sent through intermediaries. And I'm not sure that organizations have the best um, or, or use the, the best uh, efforts to make sure that the traceability of where these things are coming from are addressed mm -hmm. and then collectively as a world are we are we trying to resolve these issues in these areas of the world where there's people that are really suffering the environment is being devastated um as you know in in conjunction with some of those things as well so so given the fact that we've been just working on treating symptoms basically in, in the way that we are, are trying to deal with some of these environmental pro you know issues how is Eluet uh, different? How how do you see the, this methodology working for 
for making this change happen? Well, there's a series of steps uh, that need to be engaged. Uh, and, you know, as I said before, one of the problems is, is that lots of organizations are working on symptoms. Uh, but from my experience, working with lots of companies, thousands of students, um, and being involved, you know, in public uh, efforts in, in, in many different ways in my life, the one thing that I've seen over time is it feels like human beings are becoming increasingly disconnected from each other, mm-hmm. increasingly disconnected from their communities, locally, from their neighbors, um, from the environment. Uh, and they're more focused today, more so than ever before, on sort of a, um, a super me generation yeah. uh, where people aren't really thinking about others. It's like you look at education now. Everything about education is metrics uh, driven towards you're going to self-actualize yourself solo from what happens to community. Yeah. So we're teaching children, for example, gosh, community, oh, that's something you should just know. Um, friendship, relationships, oh, that's just something you should just know. Let, let's just focus on you know, math. But the truth is, is that the, the richest parts of our life are about family, relationships, community. There's nothing that we produce or create or service for, you know, that, that would be of any value if it wasn't for each other. Exactly. But we're all working for just ourselves. And that's created, in essence, a disconnect. And I think that that disconnect has caused uh, mental health issues. I think it's manifest in a dramatic increase in obesity um, pre-diabetic and diabetes problems in the United States. I think it's manifested itself in uh, uh, depression. Yeah. Yeah. You were telling me you're you're just seeing so much of this as a, as a professor. Yeah. Students in, in in universities is well known today that it's almost I think it's something like one in four is suffering from depression. I mm. I have students that readily will tell me about how they're on antidepressants. Uh, and I think, and when you get down to it and you start talking to them, and it's not just, it's not just students. Uh, it's people have become very unidimensional. They're not multidimensional. In, in my life, I feel, you know, look, everyone's life is messy. Nothing is perfect. Right. But in my life, for example, it feels rich. Uh, it's rich because I bike to school. Uh, I go outside each day, and it's interesting. I think about the wind direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I notice the fall colors. You know, I experience the outdoors. I, I'm more connected to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was I was explaining this to somebody recently. It's a, it's a per, I think is a very good example of what you're talking about when when it, when you go on a like a, a long road trip or you're on a vacation with kids and and you know one of the things that we do is we give them our you know the device or whatever to like occupy time. And they they get so accustomed to that device that they they don't even look out the window at like you can be going through Yosemite or <laughs> some beautiful you know park and and kids aren't even aware of this amazing surrounding because they're so tuned into that and I feel like most of us live in this like little one foot by one foot space in front of us now and we don't even we don't even pay attention to what's going on around us. Yeah, we get into our car and we. Just we get into our car. We we, we get out and have 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 a direction that we're going into a place. <laughs> well, it's all about 
milestones and it's not about moments. Right. Yes. That's, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and so when we think about, you know, this whole idea of what is Eluette trying to really do, well, there's a, a, a series of steps here. So the first is, well, you know, and I should say in connection to myself and what I was just mentioning before too, I just want to wrap around to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy the outdoors, but I also explore music because I feel that's an important dimension of life. So for me, for example, I've really refined my ability to play piano, compose mm -hmm. music. Um, and I performed in major venues like the Ordway, um, a suite of classical music that I wrote. It's a tremendous enjoyment to have that skill. I would love for others to have that enjoyment in their yeah. life, to have some creative outlet that they could enjoy. Um, athletics, you know, I've excelled there. There are some things about that that, you know, really also enhance your life. I spend time with my family. Uh, believe it or not, that's an incredibly enriching dimension of life as well. Yeah. At work, I have a passion for the things that I do. Um, I've always been passionate about working with organizations um, on helping them to be better, on coaching leadership, and teaching that to students for the last quarter century as well at the Carlson School of Management. Uh, you know, so the key thing is, is that we have many dimensions of our life and most people miss out on all of those dimensions. And there's many dimensions to our world. And most people are so unidimensionally focused, they miss out on all of those other dimensions. And also because they live inside their little box, like you were saying before, they're not thinking about what's outside the box, right. the people, the wildlife, nature, and all of these things. And then they forget about our dependency upon each other, about how we actually derive value from our interactions with one another. Uh, it's like if I was the greatest artist in the world, but I had nobody to share my art with, what value would that be? Yeah. If I was producing an automobile that I thought, wow, this is the best auto ever, but there's nobody else that's going to drive it. Right. Wow, what would our lives be? I've even I've, I've been talking about this with my son about it. it the arts hasn't been necessarily something he's been focused on because as as a boy, a teenage boy in America, sports are such a huge draw. And, 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 and you're almost kind of taught that that's the direction you should go, right? And, and the one thing that I, I've been talking to him about and as it relates to what you're saying is that these, the, these multidimensional things that we explore, it's, it's not that we need to excel and be the best at all these things, but... If if you say explore, you know, take a a class on on photography, or you take a class on, you know, some kind of some kind of media arts or something, it it really fine tunes whatever that whatever that sense is for you, and and so you know I'm I'm like you, I I kind of need to have music is is this one outlet that it kind of takes my takes me out of my brain in a certain way, but it also tunes me back into like different kinds of things so that if you know, I, I'm in any situation, I have this more, more rich appreciation. And I think it's sort of the key to, to empathy is to be able to sort of fine tune all these senses, you know, all these dynamic parts of ourselves. Well, it's interesting that you say that because at the university, I have tons of students over the last 25 years who will always say to me, Alan, your classes are so practical. I love it. <laughs> and then they'll say, I have to take all these other classes that are just, I mean, I'm never going to ever apply them in my life. Uh. And I say to them, you know what? All of those other classes you think you're never going to apply 
are actually classes that broaden you as a person and enable you to have a greater appreciation for the world. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I guess I didn't think about that. I said, because, you know, the whole thing is it's not just about being a machine right. who's going out there to perform a job and then collecting some money. And once you have that job, you you need something to, like, you know, take you away from that one focus. Well, but every – and to tell the truth, though, every business, every organization is hitting all of those dimensions. Oh, that's probably true. So the key thing – yeah, and, and in your relationships with others, they have hobbies, they have interests – uh, there's a world around you. Being aware of that world around you, astronomy, yeah. art, and so on. You know, none of ecology. <laughs> this yeah. is all valuable stuff. That is just they're young and they don't really think about it. And parents are so worried about their kids getting jobs that they're focused. You know, because they have these student loans. Like in the United States, it's a student loan issue. It's gotten them. You know, with such huge amounts of student debt. They're thinking more about, oh, my gosh, I've got to pay this off, rather than thinking, what is life all about and how should I be living it? Yeah. And then these people are becoming the leaders now. Right. And the, that leadership is becoming very unidimensional. Yeah. And so the first part of Alouette is really to create this awareness, awareness of who we are as human beings. What is really our purpose? It's like when you ask somebody, what's the purpose of business? Their first response is going to say, to make money. Yeah. But the truth is, the purpose of business is to add value. If somebody, uh, you know, in, in the beginning, somebody grew wheat, somebody grew corn. person with corn said, gosh, I like some wheat. Maybe I can trade some corn with that person um, uh, for, for their wheat. And they did that, and business began. Wow. Uh, but with that, though, the whole purpose of trading was just to improve our quality of life. Yeah. Today, the engagement of business has become all of life for some people. Yeah. Or the engagement of just one dimension of life has become all of life for them. And when that happens and they become disconnected from their role in the human ecosystem and in the ecosystem of the world and so on and so forth, they start to lose track of who we really are as human beings. And I feel like we've lost track of that. So LUS's first step, in essence, is to help leadership get back on track, to see that the purpose of business is to add value. The purpose of government isn't to control us. The purpose of government is to protect us, to create a fair playing field for all of us um, to operate within. The purpose of society is not to help us to become a solo player, but to become a collective community that thrives in which everyone in that community has the potential to self-actualize but share in that self-actualization with everyone else with the glorious you know skills and talents that they've developed to be able to contribute to each other and enjoy the gratitude um, the affection of others not just the resources they receive yeah. from others and and i, I feel like so much of business has been driven and so much of our relationships have been driven by how that person, how that relationship, whatever it is, relates to money, you know, or how to, to create security for yourselves financially. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, that's absolutely right. And so everyone's thinking about quid pro quo, quid, quid, quid I'm, I'm slipping over my <laughs> tongue here, quid pro quo relationships yeah. it's sort of what's in it for me 
and uh, uh, it's a big problem because because they're they're no longer saying to themselves what is the value of just experiencing the moments. Yeah, it's just it's all about milestones, and but the moments is the way we is what we live, and we should be cherishing every step along the way. I talked to my students at the U. Is the purpose of your four years here in college just to enjoy the moment of walking down the aisle at commencement, or is it enjoying every moment of your experience here? There are all kinds of things to enjoy, and as a matter of fact. One of the interesting parts is, is that a lot of the students, they get into teams, and when they finish a project, they just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, I tell them, I say, when you finish a project with your team, have a party. Get together. Celebrate it. Yeah. Um, and with each milestone you achieve, celebrate that milestone. The little ones, the little things, yeah. each day. There shouldn't be any day that goes by that any of us doesn't enjoy some aspect of that day. It shouldn't just all be building towards the end point. And I'm telling you that this translates with these students that are in college to people in business and leadership where all they're doing is looking for milestones. And they never get to the point of enjoyment. It's like when I pay off the mortgage, um, when my kids grow up, you know, and they're out of the house, when I retire. I mean, they just keep thinking, gosh, when life is going to get easier at some point, then I'm going to actually start enjoying it. Yes. And and, and when you when you when you take those moments to enjoy them, you have, you know, from a mental health perspective, you have this sense that of of thriving, you know, you 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 really feel that in your being, and it really does improve your 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 state of wellness. Well, even yeah, and think about this with leadership. Leadership is always thinking about how do I get my people to be productive, and they lay out their former culture and all of those things. But what I keep hearing when I'm in downtown Minneapolis, for example, uh, on a Friday, is I hear about all these people telling me, "Gosh, thank God it's Friday! Just a couple more hours to go, and then yep. I can actually live." Um, there's all these people living in a prison. They they start on Monday morning and they end on Friday afternoon, and then they're free. <laughs> But then they're exhausted and they can't enjoy anything because <laughs> right. they've exhausted themselves emotionally from a week of not enjoying their experience during the day. And part of that's their attitude. Part of that is leadership. Yeah. But the key thing is the first step with Eluet is creating that awareness. Um, the second step is helping to inspire leadership to see that things can improve and that they can be a catalyst to make that type of improvement occur. Yeah. So Eluet wants to help with that. You know, then with that inspiration and awareness of what's going on in the world, understanding and being more connected to humanity and to the natural environment and realizing, gosh, we've got a big job to do in repairing ourselves and repairing the planet. Uh, How do we do it? And that's the big question that most of these experts that I talked to are asking me. How do we do it? Well, the great part is is that, first of all, I've got a tremendously strong business background with tremendous depth of experience in working with organizations on improvement. So I know how to bridge these theoretical concepts to practical implementation, establishing strong metrics to make things happen. And so the key thing is, is that the first step is first educating them about process. Um, educating them about how to problem solve effectively when we're dealing with complex situations. And so LUED has methodologies um, that, uh, that have been formulated to engage organizations in change. 
And then with that, then, we have guidance. So Eluet will be, in essence, a consulting organization that's not so different from Deloitte and Bain and things like that in terms mm -hmm. of just general business consulting, but very different in terms of the fact that when we're working with organizations, we're trying to help them think about responsible sourcing, um, leadership that has good character, and the importance of that in you know, workforce and the moments that those workforce, that workforce experiences and their impact on the world, um, that we drive towards, uh, you know, producing solutions and outcomes that are not only going to be prosperous for the organization, but they're going to have positive residual value that impacts all of their stakeholders, customers, suppliers, um, special interest groups, the community, future generations, our planet, wildlife. We're, you know, humans have tremendous ingenuity. We can figure these things out. Yeah. So the key thing, though, is, is does Eliot have all the answers? Well, we can help an organization put together the framework of how to move forward. Yeah. And, and, but then what we, can, what we strive to do is we want to build a big tent. We want to bring together experts from all kinds of different fields together that are searchable. Um, with educational tools, with equipment that is out there that has already been innovated, that organizations can draw upon this portal and use that to supplement these plans that we're creating to really reinvent themselves in the ways that the world needs them to be. Yeah. So that, that organization isn't just about making money, it's about adding value. So that that government isn't just about thinking to themselves, well, you know, uh, controlling in essence but to creating a fair playing field uh you know and thinking about those deep dimensions that that involves uh you know as a governmental agency and, and ultimately what you're doing here is you're <clears throat> you're creating a community by you know by by both getting involved with them by linking other people to them by you know linking other businesses to you know th th what's what's going on and, and seeing how they're making improvements or seeing how they're thriving you, you you create this situation that is is kind of what the, the the kind of community we'd like to see, basically. Yeah, basically, LUET's not about an organic growth company where we start out with one person and just try to incrementally <laughs> right, grow. Right. We're looking at an organization that we're saying to ourselves, we need to have at least a thousand people within the next five years. Um, we need to probably go to ten thousand after that. But it's not just about the size of our organization. Um, it's about bringing together a web of hundreds of thousands of organizations, right. businesses, governments, societies all over the world who are all focused collectively together on a movement of change uh, because we have some really big challenges that we're facing right now, huge challenges. Uh, we have a video that we posted on, the, on, on our website where we talk about you know, how there's uh, five trillion pieces of plastic in our oceans uh, where, you know, I mean, there's different statistics and things that I've explored that I talk about in my book, A Familiar Place, which is really about that big tent concept mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, we think about uh, the whole idea that, gosh, nine out of 10 people on this planet right now are breathing unhealthy air and we're going to add three billion more. How are we changing the dynamic of how we're addressing air quality or water quality? 
I, I was just shocked to see that 55% of the waterways in the United States, which is better than most places in the world, is unusable. It can't support life. It's like 55% of our fresh yeah. water, which only accounts for half a, half a percent of all of the water in the world. And we rely upon it. And our agriculture relies upon it. It can't be used for agriculture. Yeah. 55% of our yeah. waterways, because we've destroyed them. Our arable land that we depend upon for growing food, uh, we're losing it. It's not just a matter that it's limited in terms of you know it, its ability to supply a growing population. It's that we're, we're depleting it. And... And, uh, and and we, you can add on deforestation. You can add on what's happening with the ozone layer. Um, you know, these are incredibly important things. And we're losing, you know, our, our future. I know. And, and so, and so it, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us to work to build that. And nobody, the interesting part is everyone I've talked to, I've I talked to people that are experts from all over the world. And... And they basically say there's no organization out there. I mean, there are political organizations like the United Nations, which will track what's going on. Um, but the difficulty with a lot of political organizations is there's constituencies that are somewhat corrupt in that they they can't move forward because of short-term thinking amongst some power players. Right. The key thing is maybe this needs to be privately driven but the the one thing I'm saying is that maybe we need to figure out how to bring together a web of organizations, um, you know, yeah. businesses, governments, yeah. societies together that are going to take the helm and move forward. And Eluet wants to be, in essence, a conduit to facilitate that. Um, yeah, because I I think I think you're right. I think there are there are some there are some people in in this space already. Who are doing it, you know, solo for organizations, or they're just working organization to organization, but not connecting them basically, because because not everyone is gonna is gonna jump on this movement to start, right? It's gonna the way the way movements happen is that you know uh, one one you know party says yes, I I agree, let's work on this thing, and then somebody else says, oh, I feel the same way, let's work together on this thing. Eventually, if you can get you know, and there are enough business leaders out there who. I think feel just like you that we have to address this problem, and if you get enough of them to start, it it, it puts a little pressure on everybody else basically to 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 want to know more to say okay well what can I do then what small change can I start to make? And most business leaders that I talk to tell me that they know that this is the elephant in the room that this needs to be addressed, uh, but they basically say, uh, you know, we have a sustainability group, but. We're kind of it's sort of paying lip service to things. It's not really doing th what it needs to do. And a lot of what the organizations are doing is at the periphery of what the organization is. It's not at the core of what they do. They're not thinking about. I mean, they're starting. There are a lot of organizations. I should give credit to those. There's some that are out there that are trying to clean up their supply chains. Mm -hmm. They're trying. They're really trying to delve into their products and services and change the nature of how they impact the world but there's difficulties and so and this is something i've worked through with organizations it's like if you change over a product in a company that disrupts the political system in an organization because there's people yeah. who are managing uh, a certain piece of that infrastructure at one time that now is going to change or maybe go away mm -hmm. it's like tenant uh, corporation in minnesota started 
uh, it started up as a wood products company, but they they built uh, or a carpentry business, I believe, mm-hmm. at one time. But they started building these huge cleaning machines, and at one point they decided to go from solvent based cleaning machines to water based cleaning machines, mm-hmm. and that created tremendous upheaval in their organization. And there were some big challenges that yeah. they had to deal with politically in just converting their organization and then trying to figure out how to extend that out with their uh, customer network because they were used to doing things a certain way too. And now they had to you know, change the dynamic of how they do things now. Yeah. See, that's where LUETs can be able to bring tremendous expertise into organizations. It's different than just saying, gosh, you know, here's a problem. Go do something about it. Let us take you by the hand. Let's help you. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, then there's the, the other piece, which you were just talking about. And let's, let's bring together that everyone into a tent. Yeah. Let's start putting together initiatives on how we can work together also, not just on an individual organization by organization basis, but together. And that's why one of the first things LUED is striving to do is to set up a local conference um, to create awareness, uh, to inspire leadership, to help them to see a path towards change uh, that's going to be a successful path where they're going to be able to retain employment, they're going to be able to create a prosperous future for themselves, but a future, though, that all of them can be proud of. And that's what's really important here. It's not about, I mean, I see lots of people that are donors, for example, to the university, mm-hmm. who I, I can just see with some of them, it's sort of like, well, I've been doing the wrong thing my whole life. So maybe giving a million dollars here or giving a hundred thousand there is going to help me feel better about myself. Right. Uh, it is good that they're doing those types of things. It, you know, at least they're giving something back, but why don't we give something back every day? Uh, why don't we figure out how to be like you were saying earlier about bees? Why don't we become more like bees when we extract pollen from a flower to make honey? Let's not destroy the flower. Let's not destroy the whole orchard. Right. Let's not destroy the whole world. And then give some money to a charity that can maybe help repair one thousandth of the damage that right. we've created. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, and, and it, oh, you, go ahead. Oh, and I just I wanted to say something too. When you were asking the question about me and the connection to LUAT, yeah, um, I think one of the things that's unique about my experience is that in teaching at the University of Minnesota over the last twenty five years, I've had more than ten thousand students from pretty much every country in the world. Yeah, uh, what I've learned from that is is that regardless of religion, regardless of nationality, um, regardless of location. Every one of these kids wants to live a good life. They want to have a family, most of them. Uh, they want to make their parents proud, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be a person in community who is held in high regard. They all want to leave a good legacy. I've worked with organizations and in politics. And what I've learned from all the leaders that I've talked to is the same thing. They want a better future for their children. They want to be... Uh, have contributed positively to their community. They want to live, leave a good legacy. They want to be proud of who they are as a person. Yeah. They want to be validated for their contribution to others. Uh, it's just, and, and and then what I've seen with a lot that I've talked to privately is some have lost track. And then they feel, well, since they've lost track, they might as well give up because they're too far down the rabbit hole. Right. 
But as long as you live and breathe, every day is a new day. Yeah. Every day is a new opportunity to be a different person. And somebody who can, you know, a person who can change the world. Even even just this thing that you're talking about earlier, that and I, and I think this gets gets into the meaning in in people's lives is that just doing something every day that you feel proud of, I think changes the energy of of the way you live, and and the way that you interact with everything in your world, every every relationship you have, the way that you go about your day, and and it's it seems like kind of a, a lost idea in our in our culture that's been driven and you know I, I try not to blame people for mistakes that they make because we are being manipulated 24 7 and, and the more that we're on devices now we don't even realize how much you know the the manipula manipulation is happening because it becomes ingrained in the way that we move through our days you know we we're forced to basically do most of our communications through a through a device now and every time we get on that device, there's an ad, there's a pop-up, there's an email. Some, something is always trying to grab your attention now. But when, you know, with what you're saying, which is really valuable in, this, in the context of this conversation especially, but it's extremely important in general, is that those people who actually do uh, value their role in what they're doing and try to make the best of it, we notice them and we tremendously appreciate them. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can it's not just about the person who's the leader of an organization. That one employee who can be the sunshine, who walks in the door, who says hello to everyone, and actually wants to, and, and when they say, how are you, actually wants to hear the response. Right. It's like, uh, it's like when you walk into, you know, let's say that you're working in a company and every day you walk in to lunch in a certain place. And the people there know you by name. Mm -hmm. They've already made your sandwich by the time you come up to the counter. Yeah. Or have put together your order and say, John or Mary, sit down. We've, we're taking care of everything. And you're thinking like, oh, I'm just going to keep coming back here. These people know who I am. It's, it's, it's that awareness, too, that, that, that people, you know, that people who have that are, are living aware and, and, are, and, are, and are, you know, living with a practice of, of doing that. Yeah. It's like, you know, this person in a, in a, uh, um, parking ramp attendant in downtown Minneapolis who's working in the who's working in the medical arts building. I remember leaving uh, an appointment there, and you know I had to go a couple times to an appointment in in that building. And each time he had this tremendously positive, uplifting way of greeting everyone, including me. <laughs> I just asked him. I said, "You know, why are you doing this?" And he said to me, "There's people coming out of their appointments that probably got bad news, and I want to help lift up their spirits." Yeah. Or or there's this one woman I, it, that worked as a receptionist in, in a law firm. And every time I called her, she knew who I was. She knew about who I, it was that I wanted to speak to yeah. for everyone. Yeah. I mean, and think about how valuable it is for a law firm to have somebody or any organization to have somebody who takes their their the people orientation of their job so seriously that they recognize the people within which they interact and appreciate them. Uh, you know, when I talked to this person that was that reception, that, that receptionist, she was 
she was basically telling me that sometimes what happens is people will just call her and want to talk to her for a while before they <laughs> even get connected to someone. And she feels bad that she has to cut them off because she's got to grab other calls. Yeah, yeah. But she'll sit and talk to them as long as they want. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes she'll say just, how are you? And that person will call and uh, they'll tell her about how they are and they'll hold through like 15 different little checks while she's getting people to other places. That's fun. Yeah, I, I, had this, I had this experience yesterday. I was talking to my my tax person and I talk to her once a year. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. for, for the most part, unless I have some other question, but you know, we almost always talk for about an hour before we get to the actual, like, okay, what's going on this year. She's got to catch up on, tell me what's going on with her life. She wants to know what's happening with me with, you know, whatever new, new endeavors I have going on or, you know, a new dog we got, <laughs> whatever. And at the end yesterday, she said, I just love talking to you so much. It's like she said. It's like it's a little bit like a therapy session for me. But I, she's like, I, there, I have a few people that I work with like this, and I and I would never want to lose them as as clients. And actually, you know, what you're touching on is something very important. In that, through life, the way we become is we look at all of these relationships as just obligations. Right. And so it's like, oh, i got to take care of my parents. Or, oh, i got to get my kids to school. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, I've got to get this thing done. Instead of saying to yourself, wow, I've got these beautiful children. Let me spend some yeah. time with them yeah. and interact with them. Oh, my parents, you know, um, let me spend some, you know, let me help them with things and so on and so forth. And actually experience the gratitude, experience the affection in each of these relationships. In organizations, people aren't just ends. Or right. I should say they aren't just means towards yes, an end. Right. They are ends in and of themselves, like Kant would talk about. Yeah. I think the key thing is is that we most of us don't treat each other as uh, ends. We treat each other as means. Yeah. And so when you're in that w with your uh, tax preparer mm -hmm. and you're sharing, you know, it's, you know, the richness of life is taking – you know, a moment to step back for a second. And it's not about being inefficient. I mean, people say, gosh, that makes you a lot less efficient. Um, boosting someone's morale doesn't make you less efficient. Yeah. And to tell the truth, it's like when you're driving from one location to another, some people are in such a rush. They want to get to that place in 20 minutes. What if it took them 25? Uh, when a person is, you know, you know, it's, it's sort of like s spending a little time to smell the roses. Yeah. Uh, spending a little time to actually look at that employee in the eyes that you're talking to and think about, gosh, there's a person there and not just a robot that showed up that has some work to do. Well, and, and the thing <laughs> is, if, if you can live with a little bit more of that gratitude, because like the thing, and I, and I, I... It's just slowing down a little bit. Right. I'm, I'm very aware of this with my kids that, you know, sometimes it's the tedium that starts to drag you down. It's sort of like, you know, the... Oh, I forgot. I forgot my my whatever my 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 book or my boots or my <laughs> something they needed, and it's like you're trying to get out the door, and it's like one thing and another thing, another thing. But if you can kind of stay in 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 this presence of this is this will pass, and this is this is you know the time is sort of moving quickly, and this little person who seems to be challenging at at certain kinds of moments is going to get bigger and you're not going to get to pick them up and carry them around anymore and you know everything is like that and even in our day-to-day -day jobs each of those each of those relationships each of those challenges that you face together as a group ends up being your bonding points you know and if you can if you can live with some awareness of 
okay, this is this is a challenge right now, but you know, th- th- there's there's no reason to get you know myself worked up over this because what's most important here is actually our relationships together. And this gets back to the whole idea of moments versus milestones, right? Exactly. Is it all, you know, milestones are important, but moments are important as well. Yeah. And the key thing is, is that is it just about getting to the end of life? <laughs> yeah. And and having enough money that you can get to the end of life without going broke? Yeah. You know? Or is it about all of the moments along the way? And uh, with kids, uh, you know, oftentimes when they're jumping around and challenging us, it's because they want to spend time with us. Mm-hmm. It's like we have pets too, and they'll, they'll be bouncing off the wall sometimes. And oftentimes our, our first in- inclination is, I'm busy, get away. And then, But if you just turned and spent a little time with them and realized that, oh, they're actually a living sentient being that wants attention. Yeah. You know, what is life really all about? That you've is chosen to care lost. for. <laughs> right. Life, life is really something that we all, I think, have lost perspective in a big way in modern society where we've stopped thinking about the whole purpose of everything we do is to add value to the quality of each other's lives. And mm-hmm. that the true purpose in what we're doing is to enjoy each other's company. And we can do that in a healthy environment, in a healthy world, where we can share in the beauty of the world together. And we're quickly destroying that beauty. So for anyone listening who likes the idea of what we've been talking about, how can they get more involved? Well, as I said before, we're a big tent, uh, and and we want to bring everybody in that can help us and that wants to help us. Um, You can help us by endorsing us. Um, You can help us by volunteering to help us, uh, by working with us if possible, um, connecting us to organizations, Mm -hmm. um, inviting us to speak, um, bringing us to your company, and and uh, exploring ways in which we can work together, um, engaging in our seminars, educating yourself with regard to what you can do um, to make a difference, um, joining us collectively to work on collective initiatives um, towards improving uh, this situation. Then let's reorient these organizations towards their true purpose, which is improving the quality of, of life for others and for ourselves. Um, one thing I want to emphasize here is is that, you know, this organization isn't just Alan Fine. Uh, I have a team that that comprises this organization of like-minded and talented people. My, myself included, who you, exactly. you got, got, got involved because you were listening to my podcast and heard that everything I was talking about was basically related to this mission. Well, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, Jeremy, you and I have been talking about this for, I think, close to a year. Yeah. And uh, just informally, but we're so like-minded yeah. that I know that everything I'm talking about here totally resonates with right. you because we're, you know, we're on the same basis here. Yeah. And I'd like to think that everybody else in our organization that we have right now in our leadership team that we pull together, that we all are like-minded like this. And I think we are, and, and I and I think there are there's so many people out there who feel the same way. And, you know, I, I just think there's, 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 there's no one that's sort of doing the organizing work to this, to this level 
or that, that really wants to bring people into a big tent like you're talking about. Well, and I think the key thing is most people want to do something. Everyone that I talk to is saying, yeah. gosh, I want to yeah. do something. So Eluet's opening a big door and yeah. saying, come on in, let's do something. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about organizations, but I think what people are unaware of is how much impact they can have just as a single person. Well, one thing just to keep in mind is is that companies are not uh, people. I mean, they're they're not this monolithic thing right. that just sort of exists out there. It is a, is a, it's a society. Yeah, it's a bunch of people inside those organizations, yeah. inside government. You know, they're all individuals. They're all individually making decisions. Any one of you individually out there can influence other people just by talking to them about these issues. Um, getting them involved in these types of processes, and and that will end and showing up leadership yourself, showing leadership yourself, and then that will that will permeate all these organizations because these organizations are people, and they show up at church and they show up at your team, you know, things with your that you you're on or that you're working with with your children or, you know, we interact with each other all the time. We don't realize that in essence. We're all learning from each other all the time. Right. That we're all interfacing with each other all the time, and that one person can change the world. I appreciate your earnestness in, in taking on these kinds of challenges. I think we've become a culture of, of people who um, just want to complain about the problems. Even and, and I think you know all, all all aspects of culture. I think see see these problems existing and and think that they you know the the, the right thing to do is is to be involved but they oftentimes sit on the sidelines i i think we we need to kind of learn to to use our voices a little bit more in the way that you are you know i think it's i i, I admire you for for stepping forward to, to take on this this challenge and uh but i should say we're stepping forward to take on this well yes, I, yes not I, I, but but this this was this was your vision in the first place i i i, I want to give you some credit for that but I will say, though, that, that let's make it our collective vision. Uh, For all the listeners out there, come and join <laughs> us. This is really important. This is our future. And it, it's going to take a big effort that's way beyond what Eluet is to make that happen. Right. It's a whole web. It's a whole world that we need to pull together. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to be involved as part of your leadership team with this project. I think your approach to bringing leaders together and experts all in one place is really a critical component in trying to address these challenges. And I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share all your thinking on this topic with me and my audience here on Highway to Health, Alan. My pleasure. Alan Fine, folks. The reason I've joined forces with Eluet is quite obvious if you've been listening to the show for a while. It overlaps with everything I've been exploring with my guests here for the past two years. What I see in Alan is someone who approaches these mounting challenges with a very tactful and pragmatic optimism that is essential for a project of this scale. And one thing that Alan has talked with me about frequently is the idea of stewardship and public service. And that's something that I see as a thread you know, to everything that Alan does. It's something of a lost notion in our culture where many of our social interactions are driven by a need for attention for things that serve very little lasting value. And if, if we're going to become better as a culture, I think this is one big shift that needs to happen. The other is the way we do business, what we produce and the lasting effects of what we are delivering. 
And as consumers, we should demand more thoughtful consideration for the lasting impact of what companies produce. If you're part of an organization that would like to work with Eluette's team, check out their website. It's eluette.com. That's E-L-L-U-E-T-T-E.com. Thanks for listening. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic and conversation. You can email me at jeremy at highwaytohealthpodcast.com. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.